Welcome to Empower Humans. Welcome again to the Empower Humans podcast. This is episode 129. Today we have Damona Hoffman, who is also a podcaster. She has two podcasts, the I Make a Living podcast, as well as the Dates and Mates podcast, because she has a background as a dating expert and coach, which I found quite fascinating. And uh, we talked at length about all of that, but how it all interrelates as well in the sense of in life, we're all always in some capacity networking, and that's what uh, dating (laughs) is in a lot of ways. And uh, of course, in business and your job, uh, building relationships and establishing and uh, putting forth your personal brand, so to speak, uh, authentically for what you really represent, that's what it's all about. Now, uh, before we jump into that, first I want to say, hey, I just moved, uh, so I'm getting everything set up. You're probably hearing a little bit different acoustics right now because I have to get uh, my studio situation set up properly, but here I am. Here's my voice, lovely as always, Uh, but uh, I just wanted to kind of update you there and also remind you, especially as we enter this holiday season, uh, some desperate times with this coronavirus situation, uh, you are absolutely priceless. No matter what your situation is, whatever anyone else says, thinks, does around you, you are absolutely priceless. Nothing, nobody can change that. No matter what they are, what they say, what they wear, <laughs> uh, any of those particular things, uh, the riches are found in you. Uh, you're above the monetary systems of this world. These are the things I've been saying for a while, and I want to remind you of it every time. Uh, also, you are never alone. So don't forget that, especially I know a lot of people get stuck in these little uh, scenarios during the holiday season and stuff, but just realize that you have friends, family, neighbors, coworkers, whatever might be around you, and you can always reach out to me. You are not alone. There's lots of people out to help, love, and support. Sometimes we have to take a little bit of initiative uh, to let the world and these people around us know that maybe we need a little extra love and support. And uh, you'd be surprised how much people are actually willing to step up and be there for each other. It's in our nature. I think it's in our DNA. We are part of uh, a human family. And uh, for the most part, people, in my experience now, 40 years plus on this earth, people are good and people want to help and lift each other. Uh, A lot of people are going through a lot of hard things, so you're not alone in that regard either. But just remember these things. You're priceless. You're not alone. And uh, also our challenges, study, start studying, keep studying, I continue to listen to podcasts. I listen to uh, audiobooks galore. Also, reading, keeping on uh, on top of the news sometimes. Now, I realize that might drag you down. Uh, there are several outlets that bring just positive news. Uh, so you can look for those, the good news movement I've seen and follow on Instagram and uh, other things like that. So well, between all those resources and access, you know, unprecedented in world history, None of us have excuses. Study, stimulate your mind, lift your spirits. And uh, I promise doing that alone, even in spite of some of the trials and difficulties that many of us are facing, especially right now, uh, you will just feel better uh, in a lot of ways. Uh, Also, make great moments. That's with loved ones. That's with uh, family, friends. Look for a way to make people feel special. Surprise and uh, honor them in your life. You know, Billy Joel has an old song called Tell Her About It, and uh, I'm not going to sing it for you, although it would sound amazing, but he says, 
Tell her about it. Tell her everything you feel. Give her every reason to accept that you're for real. He says, when you love someone, you're always insecure, and all these various lyrics. I've always kind of drawn on that song as an interesting uh, commentary on human nature, uh, because people need to hear it. And if you're in a relationship, you know, Billy Joel, as I recall, is a man, and he was in a relationship with a woman, uh, I think Christy Brinkley at the time. He's basically saying that women or your significant other, which can be men also, uh, whatever your situation, sexual orientation, really doesn't matter to me. But uh, people need to hear and feel and understand that they are loved. And there's tons and tons of ways. Make it make it ex- an exciting project. How can I be creative here? Now, you don't need to go out and, and uh, go nuts necessarily, but you can do that sometimes as well. But a simple note, a simple uh, card, a simple bouquet of flowers, chocolates, <laughs> whatever it might be, and finding a, a fine, happy medium to make somebody feel loved and special, and also just spending time with each other. Uh, You know, like the Beatles said and has been said for generations, the best things in life are free. So look for those opportunities to make great moments with loved ones. And again, that's family, friends, in my case, my kids and others uh, in that realm. Uh, And then, of course, the last challenge, let's keep doing this podcast together. Apologize for the different acoustics here and apologize also for getting this podcast out a little later due to the move and a few technical difficulties we faced. Kind of a weird situation with this particular episode, but we're muscling through and getting it out to you. And uh, so hopefully you can partake and enjoy and appreciate all the sacrifice and love (laughs) that goes into getting this podcast out to you. Uh, Love you and appreciate you. And also go check out Demona Hoffman's podcast, I Make a Living and Dates and Mates. Uh, Here we go with our interview with Demona Hoffman. We are pleased to welcome Demona Hoffman, TV host, writer, producer, entrepreneur, dating coach, podcaster. Lots of hats. We're talking about this. We've had a little few technical difficulties getting started, right, Demona? <laughs> it's, it's par for the course, Phil. <laughs> yeah, we're muscles. It's 2020. We got to deal with it, but we're going to muscle through. Uh, <laughs> how are you doing today? You see, you're on Pacific time. Where are you coming to us from? Beautiful, sunny Los Angeles, California. <laughs> oh, yeah. I used to live in LA. I lived in uh, Woodland Hills, in fact. Uh, oh yeah and i was yeah, born in anaheim oh really oh man yeah. i'm a disney fan yeah well we moved to albuquerque when i was a month old so i didn't and i wasn't born at disneyland but around the corner <laughs> <laughs> right around the corner oh man yeah. well, not of, that we can go there now i'm nostalgic for it but yeah it's sad it's been yeah. i'm glad no one over there is complaining in the disney you know corporation because they'd be upset but They've lost probably billions of dollars this year with everything going on, but they're not the only ones. It's kind of a weird time. But, oh my uh, gosh, everyone. Yeah. What, exactly. what part of LA do you live in? I'm like right in the heart of the city, like um, just south of Hollywood, just, oh. just west of Koreatown. Yeah. I, I like to be, I'm a city gal. <laughs> I'm from Michigan. I'm from, I'm from the suburbs, mm-hmm. but I... Uh, I like to be in the action. I've realized that's my pace, my natural pace. Yeah, I do too. I loved LA. There's obviously some, I mean, there's tons of upside in LA with, with weather and things to do and uh, <laughs> all kinds of opportunities galore and the, you know, entertainment biz and all that for those who are interested in that. But yeah, lots that's of what traffic. brought me here. Yeah. The weather and the television and film. But uh, what keeps me here, I think, is is more well. It's the weather still. <laughs> yeah, especially this time I of year. Um, I I think it's the probably the people. You know, I I think LA LA gets a bad rap for being 
a place of, of people that are disconnected or, um, you know, not genuine. And that hasn't been my experience at all, actually. No, it wasn't mine either. There's a nice mix of people uh, from all places in the world. And, uh, you know, and with that comes all kinds of different restaurants and just cultures in general. And uh, you, you got to learn to be a tolerant, upstanding citizen if you're going to live in L.A. and live in peace uh, with our fellow, you know, many millions of others <laughs> that also live in L.A. Exactly. Uh, exactly. Yeah, it's a big city. I think people forget because it's so spread out. But, you know, it really is uh, city living. So yeah. I'm here for the long haul. <laughs> yeah. And, I, and I'm in Las Vegas, which I, having lived in L.A. and then I moved to Las Vegas. But uh, we get very hot and then it gets kind of cold. It's been kind of cold. I've been wearing jacket last <laughs> a few days. But it's kind of up and down. It doesn't really snow much. Like once every few years, it'll snow. So there's that. But uh, it's not quite oh, the yeah, L.A. I haven't been to Vegas in a while. I haven't, I haven't been. You're not the only that. one. <laughs> Vegas has kind of suffered well, in the last eight plus months. But uh, They'll be back. They'll be back. Yeah, we're, we're plugging away. Uh, anyway, all kinds of stuff. I, I'm chit-chatting and people get to listen to us chit-chat, but that's this is how I talk to people normally anyway. Um, you come from Michigan and you pursued the entertainment biz. Now, let's go back on your background here. What happened in Michigan? What's your family life like? And what brought you up to this place where let's pursue these things? And especially the dating coach thing. I'm interested in that, but we'll mm -hmm. get there in a few minutes. Uh, let's go back to Michigan, if you don't mind. What uh, what compelled well, you to head over to LA? Yeah, let's go way back. I'll take you way way back. I've, well, I've been in LA 20 years. Um, yeah, this oh. September was my 20th anniversary of moving here. I have a lot of family out here. My grandparents um, lived here when I was little, and we would come once a year to California, and I, it just felt like magic. Every time I got <laughs> off the, the plane, I was like, oh, this is the place place I need to be. And then yeah. um, I was also kind of a TV junkie. Like I'm not realizing now I have little kids and see, especially in quarantine, how much TV they're watching. And I'm like, you guys should find more wholesome things to do with your time. Don't watch TV all day. And then my husband and I were like comparing shows that we watched <laughs> as a kid. And I realized, wow, we really watched a ton of TV actually when we were kids. But yeah. you know, there's something about the magic and allure of that. But I was so shy, Phil. I was so shy. I was painfully shy to the point where like if I was on the playground with someone, my mother would go over to the kids and say, this is my daughter, Demona. Do you want to play with her? And I, then I would be fine. I could play with them as long as she, she was like my play date matchmaker. She, as long as she broke the ice for me, I was okay. And she said, she said, you know, by the time I was 10, she said, we have to do something about this shyness. I'm going to take you to an audition for this community theater show. <laughs> and I was terrified. I mean, imagine being so shy. You couldn't even, you couldn't even talk to a kid on a playground. And now you're having to read something in front of all of these strangers. And I, I was terrible. I mean, I, I read all the stage directions. I didn't know what I was doing. I was horrible. <laughs> and so I was like, well, I tried that. That didn't work. And then we got a call from the director and she was like, she's so cute. I want to put her in the show. <laughs> and this is the funny thing. I actually, um, she was like, it's a non-speaking role, but 
you know, I think this is a, it was like, this is my foot in the door. And I said, I passed. I was like, no, 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 I don't want a non-speaking role. <laughs> so I passed and she actually <laughs> took some lines from another character and gave them to me so I'd be in the show. But that was the thing that really opened me up and got me out of my shell and made me less shy, helped me find my voice and find my confidence. And growing up in Michigan, I was really, I was very different from a lot of the people I, I, lived near. I, my dad is Jewish, uh, son of immigrants from Russia. My mother is African-American. She grew up in the projects in Detroit. And I grew up in this very, very kind of waspy suburb of, uh, of Lansing, which is uh, the cap capital, you know, the capital city. I grew up by Michigan State. So it was, it was a diverse environment. But at the same time, I was really, I really kind of fit in nowhere, but I've come to realize that it actually helps me to fit in everywhere because I have such diverse cultural backgrounds and, you know, I could go on and on about like yeah. how, how diverse my family tree has become since then. But it was really initially just that, that transformation that I went through of finding my voice and getting comfortable in my skin that made me want to move to LA and pursue a career in, in television. Wow. There was also no one who looked like me on TV. Yeah. So I was like, maybe I could do something about that. <laughs> and yeah. that's what got me here. Should I go on? <laughs> well, yeah, you can. And clearly you're not shy now. So that's a good thing. What, what did your mom think of all that after having no. seen you as the shy kid and being your, your uh, play date matchmaker? I wonder if any of that has anything to do with becoming a, uh, dating coach later, but we'll talk about that. Uh, what did your mom think of you going into this whole business and moving to LA? She loves it. I mean, she, I think she also takes some, some ownership of the, the <laughs> fact that I was able to really come into my own. And so she loved me pursuing the arts. Like so many parents are like, don't, don't go into TV. Don't study theater. You're throwing your life away. And my parents were like, do whatever makes you happy. And it really made me happy. And it really made me uh, feel more myself. So I actually, when I moved to LA, I, I didn't come here to be a performer. I came here to, to work behind the scenes in television and mm -hmm. to work in casting because I really wanted to, I wanted to, to change the narrative. I wanted to see more people like myself on TV. Mm -hmm. And while I was working, I was actually, um, I got a job at CBS right out of college and was working in their casting department. But I saw that there were a lot of really talented actors that didn't have that awareness of who they were and where they really fit, fit in. And, you can imagine working at CBS, you get so many resumes and headshots and sure. it just there's so many, there are so many people that want to get in your door. And I thought I should really teach people what to do to, to find, find themselves and find kind of their brand as, as performers and put, figure out how to put that into the packages that they're sending or the auditions that they um, submit for. And so I started teaching classes for actors at night on how to uh, market themselves and audition techniques. And all the while I was dating um, yeah. <laughs> with, with limited success uh, on and off. And this was really at the beginning of, of online dating. And mm -hmm. uh, my boss at the time was using it. She'd just gotten a divorce and she was like, there's all these guys online. You've got to see it, Demona. And once <laughs> I went online, I realized, oh, this is basically the same thing that I would tell actors about 
about headshots. That's a profile photo. And the audition is your first date. So I applied those techniques to my to my dating profile and to my dating life. And I ended up meeting the man who's now my husband and the father of my two kids. So I I figured this strategy out and was like, oh, I need to teach this to other people. Mm -hmm. And I initially started it as a side hustle, just helping friends and family. But there were so many people that needed this information and so many people that I saw were really, really impacted by the work that I was doing that eventually uh, I ended up leaving my career in television to help people with dating and relationships full time. Hmm. Wow. That's intriguing. And uh, also, yeah, it's uh, the whole online dating thing is really uh, back in the day when the internet didn't exist, clearly there was no online dating. So it was like, go meet someone at a party or a bar or whatever, or, or someone sets you up. Hey, this is my Can't friend. Do that now. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's, yeah. that's, it's still, these old traditions still live on. Thankfully we're still, the humans that existed generations ago. But so talk to me about dating real quick. I mean, I, for one, I was, I've been recently divorced myself. I, t- I have two boys, eight and 11 and living here in Las Vegas. And uh, what are some of the skills when you talk about matchmaking and how it extends into all these other, you know, business and being an actor and all these things, it's all matchmaking really uh, to get somewhere. But what, what are some of like the key components that you, teach and you've done some of this on TV as well and been on you know shows from you know HLN to the Drew Barrymore show and all these various outlets mm-hmm. but let's talk about it on our outlet on empower humans <laughs> is there is there well, any particular thing people mess up a lot and what can we all do better go ahead well it's interesting because a lot of it actually goes back to that original theory of what I would teach actors about marketing themselves. It's almost like you have to think of yourself as a personal brand. And I'm sure this will resonate for a lot of your listeners. Like now that is so, that is so common. Like everybody's like, oh, my brand on Instagram, my personal branding, you know. Yeah. But, but when I started doing this, this is now, oh uh, gosh, 15 years almost. No one was talking about your personal brand brand and how you branded yourself as a human, as a person. Mm -hmm. And now it is so relevant. And with, with dating apps, the information that people get about you has, it's been whittled away because, because not, I don't feel like the dating apps are the cause of this. I feel like a lot of people like to point fingers at dating apps and like, ah, that's the reason that dating today sucks. But it's really, to me, more about the way that we communicate and, social media, texting, and those, those mo- modes of communication impacting everything else in our life. So it used to be you'd know a fair amount of some, about somebody from their profile before you would go meet them. Now it's like, I have to get everything across in seconds on someone's profile. Like I, I in five seconds, women decide whether they're swiping uh, men decide whether they're swiping left or right. Women, seven seconds. But that's still not a lot of time. And if it's a no, it's even faster. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But they'll go a little deeper if it's a possible yes. But that's such a small amount of time when you think about it that <laughs> someone is now like thin slicing and getting, getting an impression about who you are and whether you fit into their life or not. 
So that's the biggest thing is being able to kind of step back and look at it from a more strategic place and use the tool. The dating app, it's just, it's just technology. It's just the tool to connect us. At the end of the day, humans are just humans, right? And people mm-hmm. are seeing different, different um, results from dating apps, but really a lot of those are dates that would never have even happened in the first place before. It's so, it was so much harder. Like if you, you know, to be divorced and with two kids, like you don't have a lot of time. You're not necessarily like, I, I mean, I don't know, Phil, you tell me, but, <laughs> but generally single parents are not out there like trolling bars for dates. So before there weren't even really that many opportunities to come into contact with new people. So I really look at it as very useful technology that really helps expand connections that weren't even possible a generation ago. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. You know, my dad also divorced single dad and we grew up with him oddly enough this was in the 80s and he had custody of us uh which was unique and uh but he was in charge through our church of uh the single adult activity so back then they would have activities i mean these days we can't even do that so thankful thankfully these apps exist too because okay we can kind of safely sit wherever we are and swipe or whatever people do in these apps uh, but it's a commentary, I think, on what, what our world has become. It's a very fast pace, especially in a place like L.A. It's like, okay, quick, quick yes. judgment. And maybe you made the right or wrong one, but it's just like that's the pace that we live at is this quick, uh, I don't know, instant gratification thing. Let me move on to the next one. I swiped. We'll see what he or she does. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and, uh, but I can imagine for a woman, there's a vulnerability and it's maybe even somewhat overwhelming. You think about, oh, I have to look this way and be cute, but I have to sound smart. And, I, and I'm also vulnerable in the sense of being a woman. And you don't know guys, you know, guys tend to be the ones who are predators and do things and mislead women. Let's just be honest. Men are pigs. This is what my dad always says. Maybe it's why he's divorced. I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> you know, men are the ones who tend to cause more of the problems of, you know, violence and things. That's why problem isn't even the right word, but how is it as a woman going through all of that? Uh, because, you know, it's as a, a man, interesting I, question. I, I think it's a different dynamic, you know, because there's a vulnerability. And plus, if you're a single mom, yes, same thing, especially if you have little kids. Oh, this guy might, who knows if he's a molester and I don't know yet, you know. Any thoughts on that side yes. of it? Yes. I mean, the reality is the, the reality is that the number of people who are there to take advantage of other people in that way, it's relatively small. And we hear these stories on the news because they're, they're outliers. They're provocative. They're, they're dangerous. They're, they're yeah. unique. And so those are the stories that get repeated. Like nobody wants to hear the story. And then I met and married this lovely woman and we lived happily ever after. Like that's mm. just not as interesting of a story. But it's interesting that you bring up um, safety for women because I, I heard the CEO of Zeus talk a few years ago and she was saying that well, first of all, she was a female CEO in tech, which is um, a rarity, but she was talking about how they really aimed to make their app um, feel safe for women and that when more dating apps were thinking from that perspective, that they would be able to be more successful. So you look at the trajectory of Bumble, for example, which is a female-run dating app. It's started by Whitney Wolf, who um, was one of the original employees at Tinder mm. actually was was sexually harassed and discriminated against there, filed a lawsuit. 
and took the money all the way to the bank to start her own company at Bumble, yeah. Yeah. which is female-led. So, so what was the complaint from women? Well, it, it wasn't like this, I'm going to run into a predator. And there are also a lot of scammers that will use female profiles to take money from men. But they're not worried so much about the predators, but they're just like, I don't want to have to sort through all of these emails from these douchey guys that are just like hollering at me and I don't want to talk to them, right? <laughs> so they made it a mutual match feature. So you have to both swipe right on each other. You have to both say, yes, I'm interested in this person. And then the woman has to initiate the message. She has 24 hours to initiate. And then the man has 24 hours to write back. And then once you cross that threshold, you're just into the conversation. Mm. But what it did was it really put women in back in the decision the decision chair for them to be able to choose who they want to interact with, who they felt safe communicating with. And it, it's taken off. I mean, it's, it's one of the most popular apps. Match has tried to buy it. They've bought so many of the apps. They've bought OkCupid, Plenty of Fish, Hinge. Oh, really? Um, it's so, uh, yeah, they own all of these apps, <laughs> but they, they've made an offer a couple of times for Bumble and they won't sell. So I've said from the beginning that women should initiate messages and should be, should be the ones doing the picking because they, I hear from them this fatigue of like, oh, there's all these guys that I don't even want to talk to. And women do get more messages than men because men are outnumber women on the dating apps. It's just stats, right? And men are more conditioned to make the first move. So I have data from Match. I also work with, with Match on, on content. Um, I have data from Match that shows that women that take initiative have far a far greater chance at making a match. And basically what Bumble has done is they have wrapped that into the entire concept of their app. Hmm. Yeah. And that's, I've heard of that. I haven't been on Bumble, but in any case, it's, I've heard that that's the dynamic over there. And uh, yeah, it's, it's all very interesting. You know, there's, there's all these different dynamics of the different apps too. Like a lot of people under yes. you talk swiping, people know that's Tinder generally. There's other apps that swipe. There's more niche apps for people from a certain, uh, I don't know, religious background or whatever, where people can hone in on what they're looking for in that regard. Um, but yeah, it's, it's mm -hmm. interesting. Do you have any commentary? And we're not talking to, like to brand apps, but I've always been interested and I never actually pursued eHarmony where people have like all these, this guy comes on TV where there's X amount of layers of compatibility that we go through and then you find your perfect person uh, it, versus just swiping because yes. you see a picture and a little blurb about somebody. Do you have it like, because it's a real different approach eHarmony versus Tinder. And for those who aren't out in the dating yeah. world, maybe at least find this interesting and good for you if you're either married or happily, hopefully, and uh, <laughs> or if you're just choosing to be single because mm. it's a lot to navigate. But any thoughts yeah. on that? It is. Well, it's funny you bring that up because I actually just developed a quiz that helps you figure out which dating app is best for you. But oh. it really goes to back to humans. It goes to how you like to use the app. Like, do you, do you want somebody else in control of your matches like eHarmony? Do you not want to deal with like having to search and going through that, that whole process of finding the people and messaging the people? Would you like them just delivered in your inbox? Cause then that's like an eHarmony or coffee meets bagel delivers one in your inbox. And that's one match a day because maybe you get overwhelmed if you have too many options or maybe you're somebody who 
likes to have more control like me. I'm, I'm much more of a match type person. I met my husband on a, an, an app that is now defunct, but <laughs> I liked the process and I love with my clients being able to sort through for them and program the algorithm. I can get really, really deep and nerdy with the dating app technology. And it's like this, this intersection for me of the human component, but also understanding the technology and how to make it work for you that really have kept me in this business for so many years and yeah. watching it evolve and really like helping people navigate because it's also constantly changing. I mean, look at how, much, how often Google and Facebook update their algorithms. It's the same thing on dating apps. So I'm always navigating, finding out what the new tools are, what the new features are, uh, you know, it's really staying tapped into the business side so that I can deliver that to, to my clients to make them more successful. Yeah. Yeah. That all makes perfect sense. Um, I, we could go on and on about all this. Plus I'm in this world now myself, but I won't, <laughs> we're going to move on to business entrepreneurship. But my last question on dating for now is pictures. People post, uh, you know, whether they have one picture or 30, I don't know. There's usually, I guess, a limit probably, but and I hear sometimes when I've been out in the dating world, it's like, oh, there's all these guys showing their six pack or, or shirts off at the gym. Or, <laughs> and from what I've gathered, for a lot of women, that kind of stuff is sometimes a turnoff, but I guess person to person. But, and, and for the women's standpoint, sometimes it's let me dress provocatively or show my bikini shots or, or like, do you have a, an idea on pictures? Because that's what people are looking mostly at, at least at first. Uh, or maybe a mix, something somewhat sexy and attractive and then normal everyday life. <laughs> what are your thoughts on pictures? So I boil it down to the three C's, uh, color, context, and character. Those are the three must-haves within your dating profile. And then it's also inclusive of you must have headshots and you must have full, at least one full body shot. So the color is, it's psychological. It's, we are conditioned to pay attention to the color red, for example, or other bright colors get our attention when we're swiping through a series of photos. Hmm. Context is telling your story. So as we were talking a moment ago about the thin slicing that people are doing, and they're just making split second decisions about what they see, they want to be able to tell your life story through the photos as, as much as you can glean enough to know if they should go to the next step. And then the one most people miss because they think they need the glamour shots and the sexy shots. It's, it's actually character. It's showing your personality, showing the quirky side of you, showing that you have a sense of humor about yourself or showing that nerdy side of you. Like maybe I had a client that was super into Comic-Con, you know, an adorable woman. And I'm like, you better put that Comic-Con photo because you know, there's a lot of guys that go to Comic-Con yeah. that are going to be thrilled to have a woman that's not going to call them weird or nerdy because they're, you know, they read comic books or graphic novels or what have you. So uh, those are the basics. Uh, it's funny because yeah. I actually, on uh, my dating podcast, Dates and Mates, I just just reported, I, I report on the headlines of the week in dating relationships. And I just reported on the no's, the no-no's for men's profiles. So it's pretty much what you could, uh, could get. Yes, like shirtless selfies. I hate those, the shirtless bathroom selfies. <laughs> the group shots, right? The, you know, just um, actually I, I reported a while ago about a, a study that showed men who have 
pictures of their cats in photos <laughs> were considered less attractive than men without cats. So, uh, I mean, you could, uh, you could analyze it like I do all day long, but when, it, when you really boil it down, it's like, be you. Be authentic. Let that show in your per- profile. Don't try to fit into somebody else's mold of what you think is attractive or what you've seen on TV or, you know, what, what your friends are telling you. Like, really lean into yourself and what makes you unique. And then you make a match that is really looking for someone like you and not yeah. perfection. That's a good point. Perfection. Right, right, right. When you talk about personal branding, I mean, that's what gets down to. It's not just... Here I am. I'm a person. Do you like me or not? It's this is the person I am. I'm into Comic-Con or I'm into Star Wars or I'm uh, into fashion or whatever different things people are into and kind of showing that and even mentioning that these are the things I'm into for those who actually read it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I think by yeah. and large, probably at least half the people read <laughs> what's what's actually the text of the, the profile. But I thought you made an interesting yes. group shots because I when I've been out, you know, on the app here or there or something once in a while you come across and it's just like all group shots. You're like, well, which one are you? (laughs) Because it's like, here's six people over and over in a shot (laughs) unless you circle and that would be kind of tacky and silly. Uh, So yeah, I think that all great points. Uh, The color. Yes. You are the star of your profile. And that's, that's the thing that I lead all of my profile polishes with. You have to be the star. It's your, it's your love story, so you should star yeah. in it. Great points. When you talk about thin <laughs> slicing, it reminds me back, for those who are old enough, the old show Seinfeld in the 90s, one time Kramer got a, a, like a commercial meat slicer, and he's like, I've cut slices so thin I couldn't even see them. <laughs> and it was, it was like a joke. Like, <laughs> but the point, I think in this context, what we're talking about, let's not cut so thin or try at all that you don't get anything off the meat slicer, so to speak. That sounds so, uh, yes. so kind of grotesque to talk about a meat slicer, but it makes sense. And I like the joke from Seinfeld. So let's uh, keep that in <laughs> mind as we, any of those of us out in the dating world. And uh, I just, uh, talking about the entrepreneurship side, unless you want to touch on anything else dating wise, you're more than welcome to, but it's kind of- Oh, a I talk about time. dating all day long, but, <laughs> but well, it's like- interesting- I've made a career of doing this because when I started coaching for, I initially started as a profile writer only and people were like, first of all, what is online dating? Like, what is this? Second of all, (laughs) wait, you can do that. There are people that do that. Like you've made an entire career. Now coaching is a little more of a a known quantity. Like people, people are aware uh, that you can get a coach pretty much for everything. You get a weight loss coach. You could Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a friend who's a success coach. I'm not even sure what that means, but I know he makes a ton of money. <laughs> yeah. You can get a coach for being a coach. Um, so yeah. really the time that I went <laughs> into dating coaching, the idea of building a business around this was really scary and was sort of strange. It made for a good cocktail party conversation, but, um, but you know, it was definitely a journey to get to where I am today. Well, it's one of the core things of who we are as people. I mean, it's in our, it's in our DNA, quite literally, this whole thing about 
<laughs> reproducing and uh, having a partner, you know, uh, it's, uh, you know, I talk to comedians and a lot of, or just listen to interviews and a lot of them say, that's the material that gets the most response is talking about dating and men and women and the differences and making jokes about it because everyone relates to this mm-hmm. stuff. It's all, it's part of what and who we are as human beings. Uh, so mm-hmm. yeah, I, and I imagine your podcast gets a lot of traction in the dating world too. Uh, Let's talk about the entrepreneurship stuff, this COVID situation in particular. And we're at a time as we record this, uh, it's November 11th, 11-11, magical day, but it's also fall in the United States and it's uh, it's uh, getting worse in a lot of ways. We won't even get into this presidential election stuff, but unless you want to, but uh, what what's going on with being an entrepreneur during this COVID time? I mean, it seems like it's tougher. You can't obviously do as many things. We talk about events, uh, but some people are being creative and doing online events, uh, various things like mm-hmm. that, or online speaking engagements. You know, um, what are your what are your some of your general thoughts as we dig in here? Uh, as the world has shifted gears in 2020, as it as it pertains to business and entrepreneurship. <laughs> Yeah, it's interesting you ask about the live events because um, I last year also became the host of a podcast on entrepreneurship called I Make a Living, which is by the FreshBooks brand. It's like cloud accounting software um, that's designed really for small business owners. And they, they initially started a series of live events around the country, live panels that brought entrepreneurs together for networking and to hear from other business leaders who'd been once in their shoes. And so I came in, initially we were doing the podcast and we were going to interview the people who were at the live events. And, and that was, was my role in the live events. We had, I think, oh gosh, I think we had 20 events planned out for 2020 mm-hmm. and then COVID hit yep. and we had to, we had to adapt very quickly to a different way of recording the show. And then the live events, which had been a huge engine of, of creating community and bringing people into Noah fresh books and uh, the, the services that they offer suddenly that fell away. And really the way to build community suddenly became through the podcast, through webinars that, that they were doing. And we have seen in, many different business industries, how we've had to move to creating community in a virtual space. Yeah. And it's really, it's, it's really, it's a tricky thing to do. It's a tricky thing to do because we're so used to that in-person interaction and those, um, you know, those sort of chances, casual meeting spaces that we have to be a lot more deliberate about our networking and, the way that we build connections now in the the work from home post covid landscape yeah well yeah that's uh, that's very true like i didn't know i didn't even know what zoom was before this covid thing hit and now i've done a whole bunch of podcasts on zoom i used to do them by phone which actually looking back was probably not the greatest idea cuz it's you kind of get that phone audio thing that everybody knows kind of there's a difference uh, but we have several older podcasts that are just by phone that we connected through our mixer here and uh, so that's that's one thing we all learn about mm-hmm. zoom like my kids do it's not zoom but they do like google meet classroom stuff with school at least oh, in yeah. nevada we're still doing that and 
and so it's a very unique thing because I'm frustrated for my kids too because they can't hang out with their friends as much and and yet at the same time like we don't have school shootings and things so there's there's like always an upside of things it's sad that that has to be an upside <laughs> but uh I know this this entrepreneur did you catch the Dave Chappelle SNL <laughs> yeah I did the Dave I did Chappelle SNL monologue. and what were your thoughts on that I mean I like Dave Chappelle in fact I was listed I'm oh. getting ready to move this weekend so I was packing last night and I turned on David Letterman's thing on Netflix where my next guest needs no introduction and he had Dave Chappelle. Oh, so I was like, let's yeah. listen to Dave. And uh, Dave's always, you know, on or beyond the edge of what, but that's part of what yeah. good comedy is. I mean, that's makes people laugh and stuff, but he talks a lot about race. And uh, I know you talk about black entrepreneurship too. Um, and I don't have any qualms about talking about race. I talked about last week, I had a, a black British man who lives in Cabo who's a coach, like we've been talking about, like a success coach. Um, but what, what aspect of that do you want to talk about? Because you, you brought up Dave Chappelle and the Saturday Night Live thing. What are your thoughts on it? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Dave Chappelle has always played the edge, right? Um, and actually, we skipped a little piece of my, um, my story that I actually, after going into casting and I, I, was, I was writing dating profiles on the side and working up the chain in television mm -hmm. and I took the role of director of talent diversity initiatives at NBC. So I was in charge of starting their diversity program to bring more writers and directors and actors of color into the, the development pipeline. So I've been living and breathing this for a long time, but for, for the mm -hmm. entrepreneurs um, for, for that perspective, you know, we, we have a very diverse team on I Make a Living. And we actually, like even before the death of George Floyd and the re, re what do we want to call it? The reinvigoration of the uh, Black Lives Matter movement. We've always had diversity top of mind, especially when you think about at, at, in, small, in the world of small businesses, people of color, actually, they don't necessarily think of themselves as entrepreneurs all the time. But when you really look through history and you look through statistics, people, black and brown people have always been entrepreneurs. They've always had small businesses. And, you know, this is at a time I'm also the, the grandchild of immigrants. Like my grandparents couldn't just walk in a store and walk in, you know, a business and get a job. They had, they started a store because that was, they were serving their community, serving products that their community would recognize and they could speak their language and they could connect to them and they weren't getting hired elsewhere. So when you're not getting your foot in the door, you have to create opportunities for yourself yeah. in another way. Like I interviewed this woman, um, it was uh, Hispanic Heritage Month in September and October and I interviewed this, this amazing woman, Mimi G, who's a, um, she's like a DIY. She teaches people how to sew and, you know, how to create their own, their own fashion. And she was saying she realized she's learned this from generations of, of Pat, her, her prior relatives. And she's, 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 Puerto Rican and her family came here. Same, same story. It's funny how like across cultures, it's the same story, but even though we're bringing a completely different experience to the table and when you really look at it 
from a different lens. You're like, oh, all of these relatives who had side businesses doing different services in the community, they were entrepreneurs, even though on the surface, it's just like, oh, well, yeah, he had this handyman job or he was a plumber or he ran this store, but we just have a different, um, we have a different lexicon now. We have a different way of, of, of looking at that. Yeah. Very true. And thanks for sharing all that too. Uh, where, where are your grandparents from, by the way, if you don't mind me asking, you said immigrants. Yeah. They're from Russia. Oh, really? My, wow. On my dad's side. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah, I was just talking to my dad about it the other day and he was like, I was talking about the technology, which you brought up and my kids are also on Zoom school. And he was like, it's so crazy because my son is six and he can already work Zoom. Like he knows how to do all of the buttons. <laughs> and he was like, it's so crazy to think his great grandfather grew up walking in mud streets yeah. and now, you know, in the old country. And now he's like two three generations later, he's like zipping on technology at six years old. It's crazy how quickly we've evolved. Um, and, but in some ways, it, it's like the technology has evolved, the pace has evolved, like you were saying earlier. And yet the human element, we haven't lost that desire to connect. Mm -hmm. So now we have to use different tools and different methodology to get us back to that original drive of connecting to other humans. Yeah. And, and there's a level of that. I mean, there's something special about, you know, I lived in Utah for a while and I, I went to a jazz game one time and it was like, we went double, triple overtime and it was like this crazy thing. And everybody's there. This is way pre-COVID, like 15 years ago. And uh, there's just something about having everybody in a room for one cause kind of thing, you know, just about everyone's rooting for the jazz and screaming and they're very loud fans or a concert or just to get together or, uh, you know, one of these kind of coaching events that they're done, Tony Robbins kind of things and smaller ones and stuff. Mm -hmm. There's something special about being in a room with people pursuing, even if it's just kids in school, we're all here for the math class or, you know, second grade or whatever it is. Um, and it's, there's just something lost about looking at a screen. And I'm glad we have that because at least we maintain some semblance of society. <laughs> you know, we can have meetings. We can have yes. some version of school, which quite frankly sucks, though. It's like, it's probably like, in my opinion, like 30% of actually what being in school would be if they were physically in school. But at least, you know, look at the bright. I'm not trying to be Debbie Downer here. It's just, we need that. Even in the dating world, it's like you can start on the app, but eventually you want to get together. And if you like somebody, maybe you hug and kiss and move on uh, to more things. But it's like, there's got to be that physical connection with people in some <laughs> capacity. So it's, it's been, a, you know, we, we've all adapted. Yeah. But I hope we don't lose the desire to. I, I hope we don't lose the desire to actually show up to a concert or a sports a sporting event and stuff because we're just now we're just used to. Oh no! I think it will be. No, I think it'll be even stronger because now we've seen what it's like without. But honestly, we were at a pace that was unsustainable. Like I was, I was saying, to my clients like pre-COVID, I I was like this is, uh, this is, something's got to give. Like my clients were going through like three dates a weekend and they're like, oh, I can't even remember what that guy's name was. Zip, 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 zip. And it was just like <laughs> uh, swipe, 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 swipe. And then they would just skip right to the date. Like, oh, I don't want to do any of the small talk. Like 
I always have my clients do a phone call in between, not a Zoom, a phone call. And, you know, my younger clients are like, ah, old lady. I'm not even that old, but (laughs) they're like, old lady, you want me to do a phone call? But there's so much more information in the video that you don't necessarily need at that point that I like to save for the reveal of the date if you can. Now, of course, at the beginning of COVID, we had to adapt because the video date was the only option. Mm. But now I'm... I'm having them bring back the phone call because we're at, we're at a level of Zoom fatigue. But the pace, we just keep pushing the pace. And it was so rapid fire. People were getting ghosted. We're being treated as completely dispensable. And there was just, just rampant dating fatigue. And so, of course, I, I wish it didn't happen. I, mm-hmm. I wish there was another way we could have learned this lesson because this is, you know, the worst thing that's probably ever going to happen in all of our lifetimes. But if I were to look for the silver lining, I think it will realign us on what is really important. Um, for entrepreneurs, as I've been hosting the I Make a Living podcast, I'm hearing how much clarity that entrepreneurs have about like, what do I really need? What do I need to be spending? Who am I serving as my audience? How can I innovate and be more creative about reach, reaching them or making changes in my business that maybe, maybe a year ago I would have been resistant, but now out of necessity, like, you know, like necessity is the mother of invention, right? So mm-hmm. it's maybe going to push some people to a place that will help them to, to evolve, to reconnect, to reprioritize that was long over. Yeah, those are excellent points. I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, to be honest with you, especially in America, by and large, it's like this, uh, this high, especially in a place like LA, this high speed, except in traffic, uh, <laughs> get to and from the next thing. And what's the next destination rather than enjoying the journey and, uh, and uh, doing things at a proper pace. Um, it's, oh, yeah, uh, I was you, caught up up at it too you know yeah we all were but people can with this and i've learned a lot lately about meditating and mindfulness there's been an opportunity for many of us just by default to okay let's be in our heads a little bit more focus on our needs and feelings and our bodies and uh, like you said what do i need to do what do i need to be spending money on what's what's the direction what's what's my gift you know, Steve Harvey talks about a lot about your gift and I've, I love his books and stuff too and videos. Um, but yeah, I think it's given people an opportunity. I don't know. We're not going to, I'm not going to comment too much on the bigger picture of God and the universe, but assuming those forces in some capacity are at play, it's, it's probably like, hey, okay, you guys on this tiny little planet, you need to, <laughs> you need to change your approach if you want joy. Uh, but mm. When it comes to being an entrepreneur, um, you talk about creating content and you talk about doing that with brands. Talk to me more about that, if you would. And for those, like I'm a podcaster, you're a podcaster and uh, people create other content. You mentioned earlier about people's Instagram, their personal brand and stuff. But talk to me about creating content and or teaming up with a brand, if you don't mind. I don't mean to shift gears too much. That's a huge part. No, it makes sense. Um, it's a huge part of my, of my business portfolio. So one part of what I do is working with clients and uh, doing online programs and 
Uh, I was like perfectly positioned for this because I was like, oh, we're already virtual. I already have clients all over the world. Mm -hmm. um, but beyond that, I've also collaborated with brands many times, as I mentioned, match.com. You mentioned um, meditation. I just did a meditation, um, like motivational talk for Calm, if you know that app. Um, mm -hmm. You know, I've always looked, it, coming from major media, you know, ABC, uh, Actually, I'd never worked at ABC. I don't know why I said that. <laughs> CBS, NBC, um, and Paramount. Uh, working at, we're with major brands in, in creating content, I really have a unique ear and eye uh, that a lot of brands, like, you know, you don't come into entrepreneurship or have a major brand and think like, how am I going to create content for my brand, right? You're thinking about doing the function that your business is built for. And so having that background has really helped me to evolve my business and be able to, to create content for the FreshBooks brand, you know, since mm -hmm. I, when I, and when I started my podcast, my original podcast, Dates and Mates, eight years ago, I'm still doing that podcast, but uh, honey, we were not making any money. <laughs> like people think, oh, I'm going to go into podcasting. I'm going to make a ton of money. Nobody knew what a podcast was. Um, it was uh, it, it was like streamed out of a, a studio that I, that I went to because I had no idea how to work the tech tools. And it was, you know, it was a big leap of faith, but I kept doing it because I was like, I'm a content creator. That's always been my background. Mm -hmm. And while I also serve people in dating and relationships, just going back even to my original story of, of coming out of my shell through performing, if I'm not, if I'm not somehow making content, whether it's in front of or behind the camera or mic, there's a part of me that I've realized is, is, is missing, feels really empty. So I've realized that from my own well-being, I needed to also keep making content. So I've made content with a lot of other brands. And then now with the Fresh Books, I Make a Living podcast. It's great because I had that, I had that eight years of podcasting experience and I went up the learning curve. So I could come into working with them already at the top of my game, already with my, my podcasting setup. I'm recording from my studio right now. Mm -hmm. And already with the understanding of how to tell stories. And that's ultimately what I always aim to do, whether it's a short promo video, like I've done a lot of like, like online videos for, for different brands. Um, I've done that for match. Like you'll see me, if you use the match app, you'll see me giving dating advice within the app. Um, or, you know, for, for, the, a long form um, piece of content like I Make a Living is it's really storytelling. It's hearing stories of different entrepreneurs and it's not a business advice podcast, but, and that's why I'm there. Like I'm, I'm not, I'm not an expert in business. I'm going, I'm in the trenches. I'm going along the journey along with the audience and seeing what I can glean from other business leaders ahead of Google for startups was on the show. I've had the, the creator of SEO Moz and talking about, about SEO. I've, we've interviewed the head of Teachable. I now have my programs on Teachable. So I'm like going through yeah. and learning as I'm doing this content with, with brands. I'm also learning what I can then bring back to my own brand and my own business and building it from the inside yeah. out. 
Yeah, that's incredible. I uh, Some folks out there might struggle to think, well, how do I create these brand deals and do this? And I know you had the founder of Haro, which for those who don't know is help a reporter out, right? It's a website. Yeah. People can, there's all these various little niche, niche uh, areas that people can uh, be an expert or whatever and share what's going on in that realm. And reporters ask for certain content. Is that one of the ways that, and I just barely have been learning about this in the last probably month actually about Haro. Um, is that one of the ways you yes. connect with brands or what, what do you suggest for people out there who want to make those sorts of connections? Well, I would say theoretically start where I started. I mean, there's so many different ways to get to the finish line, but where I started was just making my own content so that I could figure out how to do this at a high level mm -hmm. so that brands would even want to invest in working with me. Um, I also have used it as a, as a training round, like to, to when you go through eight years and hopefully it won't take your listeners eight years, but you know, you go through eight years of hosting a podcast, you, you, you understand, right? You know, you go, th you go through this experience, you know how to talk to people and how to help people tell stories. And, and then, you know, relationship building is, is important. Like I actually do use, did use my dates and mates podcast also for building relationships because I'd have people, you know, I had the CEO of eHarmony, on the podcast and then I can follow up with him and say, you know, I do these other things. I can, I can work with your brand, but I'm always in it for the long game. Like none of this developed overnight. I have been doing content for 20 years. Mm -hmm. Well, really, if you, if you count the content I made in the student theater <laughs> yeah, that too. for much longer than that, but I'm in it for the long game. And this was something that also served me in, in entertainment. And now I'm still, in touch with a lot of the producers and executives that I used to work with who still will call me for jobs because I didn't just know them to know the chair that they were sitting in. I really forged long-term relationships. And so sometimes you don't know if a contact is going to give you a job right away or, or it will be something that, that blossoms down the road. Um, I met Paco, the I Make a Living podcast producer at a conference. And it, what I would also say is to really be bold and be brave. Like I, I was like, okay, I, I have something to talk about. I'll get on the stage and speak because that will also help me to make more contacts. And from that, he invited me to dinner with the team and I had no idea what, it, it, what we were doing or who was going to be there. Like sometimes people ask too many questions, like who's going to be there? Well, what time are we going to be home? I just was like, let me just go. Let me just go and see what happens. And then Paco and I connected. And from there I was able to make the case for why I would be the, the good, the best host for, for the podcast. So yeah. really playing the long game and being, being willing to have like, Oh, that little girl, from the playground is still inside me. When I go to a dinner like that, people see me as an extrovert, but inside that little girl is still there going like, what am I going to say? How do I, how do I sound smart? Right. How do I, how do I make a good impression here? And I've had to take all of those years of cracking away at that shell to just be brave enough to begin the conversation with 
without needing to control where it goes, but just starting with that connection. Yeah. Yeah. And that's real important. I mean, the whole networking is such a broad term and depends, you know, business to business, what that might mean. Um, But there's all kinds of ways to do it. We talk about all these dating apps. There's also business quote unquote dating apps like LinkedIn and stuff, which just we're clear is mm-hmm. not a dating app, but it's, it's for business people to connect. But sometimes it is. <laughs> yeah, that's probably true. It's <laughs> You wouldn't believe what I've seen go down in the DMs on LinkedIn, but, oh, but yes, it's, I, I, I use LinkedIn. Uh, I encourage everyone to connect with me on LinkedIn. I, I use LinkedIn um, a lot actually, but even when I was an executive and, and I would use it for, for networking I use it also for content ideas and for reading other people's content and engaging with them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's another way to, to start building connections is like, see whose voices you respond to and get in the conversation. Like, I, like I'm now also, uh, I collaborate sometimes with OkCupid okay and that connection started. Uh, I, I responded to a post that the PR person from OkCupid okay put up and I was like, oh, I have something to say about this conversation. Mm-hmm. And then we connected. And since then he came on the show and, you know, we've, we've, we've found other ways to collaborate and it just came, it came from a tweet or a LinkedIn post. So yeah. that's a, a great place, especially in today's world to begin. So it's getting out there. It's, it's not being scared. I know there's a lot of sometimes fear governs us as people, but just like going back to the beginning of the podcast about being on the playground. I mean, clearly you don't have your mom there to go break the ice and see if these people want to play with you at these <laughs> events and whatnot or on, the, yeah. on an app. But, uh, but you've learned yeah. enough of the skills, even if you're still at your core, that introvert that you can get out there and do it. And, and, and it sounds like the most important piece is, creating authentic you kind of content that some people go out there and just try to copy what's out there already supposedly getting traction and you can get some ideas from that, but you got to put your own spin to be unique, to be yourself. And, and then people gravitate to you for who you are. And then in the long game too, it sounds like uh, you're not going to be working on trying to be some fake thing that you weren't to begin with start out as you, and just continue to progress. I'm just throwing out ideas here as we talk based on what we're talking about and what I know about you and mm-hmm. what you do. Is there anything people can do to be more authentic and create kind of more meaningful, lasting content, especially during this COVID situation, build their community? Yeah. I also think um, a lot of times when people are making content, they're thinking too much about them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, they're thinking about the, the, the way they want to portray their brand. And I flip this, even with dating, I think of it from the perspective of your audience. What does your audience want to see? What does your audience need? Because when you come from a place of service, you get the ego out of the way. And ego really has no, no place in dating. It will not help you in dating and it will not help you in, in business either, right? So if you're thinking audience first, like on a dating app, I'll say, figure out who you want to meet and then think about where that person would be, what that person is looking for, and present present those elements of yours. It's sort of like, you know, like the old resume um, advice. Like you can have you have a, a full resume, but if you're applying for a particular job, you highlight the things on your resume that fit for that job. Mm-hmm. So it's the same thing in dating. It's the same thing with making content. What does my audience want to 
hear, see, read right now? How can I be of service to them? And I feel, I feel like when you come from that place of service, you really can't go wrong. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And another thing that occurs to me, and thank you for sharing all that, is embracing your story and and finding the most effective way to share it. Because everyone has a story that generally includes some adversity, some struggle, some learning, some growth, maybe some triumphs, hopefully, mm-hmm. along the way, and share those lessons and those experiences. And people are just drawn. It's, it's Again, we talk about things in our DNA. That's something in us as people. I mean, we've been storytellers for thousands of years as human beings, and uh, it's still in mm-hmm. us. And if you get good at that and can share your story, you know, make it real. And people can feel that too. I talked to folks, some folks who make millions of dollars marketing online and all kinds of stuff. And it's, and people get scared to get from camera and it's at the core, be human because that's how we relate to each other. If you say, uh, once in a while, and you know, it's not this perfect robotic machine, be a human, people connect with humans and embrace that you're human and others will embrace that too. Um, so these are just my, you know, added little thoughts based on what you're saying, because you're inspiring me. So, <laughs> but uh, is, mm. we come, do you have any final thoughts before we wrap up and uh, let you run? I know you got things to do and people to see and so on, but uh, any final thoughts, Demona? I think you nailed it. And, you know, it, it kind of reminds me of that Oscar Wilde quote, quote be yourself. Everybody else is already taken. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah, true so that's that's really what it's about <laughs> all right good simple enough again the podcast is i make a living podcast and also dates and mates so go look at demona's yeah. uh you know material and content out there demona hoffman and uh, until next time for our audience uh we of course flatter you spend time with us we're grateful for you and uh empower yourself empower the world around you thank you Thanks so much for listening to Empower Humans. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and review this podcast. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit EmpowerHumans.com. We'll catch you next time.